Welcome back to the Fangirl Forum. I'm your host, Meredith Loftus, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood fangirl. The Super Bowl has come and gone. Tom Brady has unfortunately won another Super Bowl, and we got a lack of movie and TV trailers. I guess we can't always get what we want. But hey, at least we got a second full trailer for the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which happens to debut next month in March. Plus, we are halfway through WandaVision, and after last week's big surprising ending, it's safe to assume we're now in new territory in the MCU. We have this and just so much more to discuss, but as always, I'm not alone. Joining me today is writer-producer, fellow Star Wars fan, Whovian, and Patrick A. Wilhelm's hashtag very good friend. Please give it up for Adam Lance Garcia. Welcome. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was not expecting the Patrick H. Willems reference. Oh, that's so funny. I'm so glad that it's become such a meme in and of itself. It's ah, so fantastic. My... <laughs> and I couldn't have you on today without addressing the fact that you seemingly pranked him today. <laughs> uh, for the, I guess for the listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, Patrick H. Willems is a a uh, YouTuber uh, of some note who uh, is is actually my very good friend. Um, and we've created this sort of Twitter narrative as a sort of a writing experiment. Yes, and my cat's letting me know that he agrees in the background. Uh, a sort of a, a running narrative about being a very good friend that sort of transformed into this all-knowing stalker thing that I'm doing. And now I'm trying very hard to become a, become canon within the series his series of videos. So today, I uh, well, a couple of days ago, I packaged, I sent a package of uh, cookies to him with a little note that just said hashtag make Adam Cannon, and it worked perfectly because I knew it was going, I knew it was happening, and I was waiting, I was watching the package go. Yes, I know that's uh, yes, Puck, that's correct. It was going through FedEx, and then all of a sudden, I got a text from from Patrick, just like, and I don't know what your policy on uh, expletives is, so it's like you effing lunatic, and I was like, yes. Amazing. <laughs> so it, it's funny because like I we, we I keep on pranking him and I don't know exactly how it started, but it was definitely like we kept on giving each other a lot of hell on a lot of hell on Facebook, uh, excuse me, to on Twitter, and then it be, eventually became something along the lines of, well, how do I make this to be like just be I want to be his very good friend and be a stalker, even though like we're like going to see movies and like mm-hmm. he's coming over to have dinner with me, my girlfriend, and it's like. It's like, what kind of stupid thing can I do just to drive him nuts? And it's just escalated and it keeps on escalating. And I have no idea what my next step is because he, he pulled some pranks on me recently and I'm just like, damn it. Now I have to do something else, but it timed out well with the cookies. Oh yes. I love that so much. Actually, I was reminiscing with a good friend of mine uh, not too long ago about our days in college where we used to prank our friends. Oh, yeah. And I uh, infamously put a betta fish in my friend's uh, drawer and made a, a built-in aquarium for her. Yeah. So uh, I love the fact that that this is kind of like a pranking thing between the two of you. And it's all, as somebody looking uh, on the outside looking and watching this unfold on Twitter, I just find it so entertaining. Um, and I cannot <laughs> wait to see what the next thing is, you know? <laughs> 
I, well, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it because it's like one of those things where I try to explain it to other people who aren't on Twitter and, and they're like, well, I don't understand. I, I remember doing some stupid videos while I was living with my parents. My mom was like, are you actually very good friends with them? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing. We're doing this thing. But I'm glad it's make, entertaining, entertaining people because that's like, that's what I want to do. Like, there's only so much you there's a lot of toxicity on Twitter. There's a lot of toxicity in the world. And if I can entertain people, um, and that's why I'm in this industry. I like entertaining people. And if that's what I'm doing, that's great. I'm, I'm really happy that it's, it's, it's landing so well. Cause I've, this is, I've been on a few podcasts recently and it comes up at least every other podcast. And I'm so oh, happy nice. about that. <laughs> I am glad that you enjoy that this is like entertaining people because like you said, like there's a lot of toxicity out there and today in particular was a hard day on Twitter. And yeah, uh, for those who don't know, who are not on Twitter or have just like missed some news uh, from this week. A star uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Slayer, Charisma Carpenter, she uh, spoke out against and shared her story uh, working with Joss Whedon back when she was on Buffy and yeah. she was on Angel too, right? Yeah, she was on uh, Buffy and Angel. Okay. I yeah, I so I have unfortunately never watched the series, but I just know Sarah Michelle Gellar was yeah. on it and I know Angel was a spinoff, but I know that it kind of created like the Joss Whedon the Whedon verse. The, the, yeah, the Whedon verse yeah. and the Scooby gang. And yeah. over the years, there's been a lot of criticisms towards him, how he mm-hmm. writes female characters and how he just treats people. And Ray Fisher recently uh, came forward about his abuse that he endured with him on the set of Justice League. And it felt like things were kind of like simmering down and then we weren't hearing much about it. Yeah. But uh, today, Charisma came forward to share her story and how she is also part of the internal investigation at Warner Brothers about Mm -hmm. what happened on Justice League. And I got to be honest, it was pretty devastating to like read her story. Um, What was your reaction to the stuff today? It's I mean, I think it's a good it's it's good that we're finally getting accountability um, Mm -hmm. or at least that these stories are coming out. I, I did briefly meet Josh many years ago. Um, he was perfectly nice to me at the time, but again, I was with and I was with my my female friend, and he was you know perfectly affable. But you know that doesn't mean that this, that's one interaction amongst many, right? And I think what I've come to understand about this situation from the outside looking in is that this is someone who was in a position of power, uh, a, a white man position of power, who used that role to control uh, and lord himself over women in many ways. I mean, we know that he had a number of illicit affairs uh, during this period of time and uh, excused it by saying that, well, these women were throwing himself at him because he was writing, quote unquote, strong female women at the time, and they looked up to him as an idol, and he abused that, that sort of like the relation, like the, the ability, I don't even know how to phrase it, but he, he, he mm-hmm. it's, an, it's an abuser, and I think that it, it's high time 
that in the creative arts industry and in really every industry, but it's notable within our own industry that white men um, or just men in general, uh, but it's typically white guys because, you know, look at history, uh, use their positions of power to take advantage of women and control them. And it's, I'm glad that Charisma is speaking out. It sounds like Michelle Trattenberg recently spoke out about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think Sarah Michelle Geller spoke about it as well, but it sounds like this is something that was systemic. And yeah, I think, you know, if anything, as a, as someone in my position, it's something that I always am conscious of. And, you know, it, it, it's, I'm glad we're having this conversations, basically. I'm glad mm-hmm. it's coming out there. I, I agree. I think when Me Too started back in 2017, yeah. I think that was a big, that's when the gates are opening on having mm-hmm. so much of these like open conversations about like what happens when men in power uh, take advantage of that power and mm-hmm. who is affected by it. And it's not just women, it's also members of the LGBTQ plus yeah. community. It's people of color, like it is, and it's mainly done by white men. And just for a while, like, I know for me, I loved Avengers. I yeah. liked Avengers Age of Ultron, but then when the Russo brothers came in, I kind of didn't really bat an eye. I was like, oh, you know, he got tired of it or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't recognize at the time of like what could be going on behind the scenes. And so I support these women for coming forward and sharing their stories. I support Ray Fisher coming forward and consistently Mm -hmm. like keeping up the fight that is going on because he is essentially getting blacklisted right now um, for even just like calling things for what they are. And Mm -hmm. I hope that these conversations continue. I hope that there is actual repercussions from it you yeah. know because i think is doesn't joss whedon have a series coming to hbo yeah it's the nevers and i think i looked at an article he left the show some point last year okay um though it's unclear uh as to why and what caused him to leave he just decided he said he decided to leave and he said it was about the pandemic but i i don't know the reasoning i think what's interesting i think and i think the one of the you know, especially for someone who for the longest time was praised for writing strong women with Buffy and the, and how we now view that art um, in the same way that we're sort of viewing other writers like J.K. Rowling and others who, mm-hmm. who in the time since their, the sort of their peak, so, so to speak, like how their later comments or actions during that time, how, how we approach that work and how do we remove the art from the artist and mm-hmm. uh, is that a thing that you can do it's it's a lot of difficult conversations and you know especially I think for me as someone who again I am cis white passing and I am mm-hmm. you know someone who can walk into a room and be treated in a different way than a woman would be to, be different treated differently than a black man would or mm-hmm. a, any one of the uh, LGBTQ plus community 
you know, I think it's always important for someone like me to just sort of shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's what I, I think I really need to do and also sort of make sure that I'm looking back on my own actions and making sure that anything I did back then or in the past, like recontextualize them in my own mind mm-hmm. and also understand how I can move, hopefully, God, I hope I, I think we all just need to take account for our actions and, yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a typical conversation. Like I said, sometimes I think I just need to shut up and listen. And I think, yes, I think it's important that, and I'm saying this too as like a white woman, like especially with these with conversations that have been going on about racial injustice in our country and the inequality that happens like in the uh, writer's room on set. Yeah. It's like, there's a lot that like, I don't, realize like the privilege that I have. And so something that's been big for me has been just shutting up and listening, but also learning the balance of not just listening, but also like starting to speak up even when it's uncomfortable and to be able to have those harder conversations and even to be able to like speak out when you can. And so like, I think that's incredible that you, you are taking into account, like your past actions and like, how do we like look at this stuff and move forward by listening and educating, but also yeah. by like speaking up and saying something too. Because it's, it's especially I think for, for every, everyone, there's some things that you do like in professionally or unprofessional environments that you don't realize that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You don't realize that uh, can be seen as a, as a, an aggressive or action um, that you're like, wait, oh, now I understand what that person felt. And yeah, it's difficult. And like, I I think you're you're right. It's listening, it's speaking up, it's having those conversations and knowing that, you know, the only way you can kind of cure what's going on is by, you know, is by being that ally and being supportive of the people who are speaking out and understanding why they're speaking out and understanding why they were silent for so long because of the systemic circumstances that were going on. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like understanding for me is understanding how the system benefited me in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, how I've you know been able to move forward in my career because of the benefit of how I look and the, how I, and how I act. And yeah, I, it's, I wish there was an easy phrase one can say, like, I, I can't sit there and say to you like, Oh, this is the, let me come in. Like, this is a perfect statement about how to handle the situation, mm-hmm. but it's not. And I, I think that's fine. I think it's fine to hear and to talk and to discuss. Mm-hmm. And I'm repeating a lot of things you're saying and because they're correct. And I think like, clearly we're not going to have the answers to how to like solve these problems. But I think a big part in moving in that right, in that direction is to continue to have these conversations too. Hey, you know, this is, this is a podcast where we talk about like stuff that we're excited about and we want to get excited to talk about stuff, but we cannot, I think it'd be a disservice to like, not talk about things either just for the sake of oh comfortability and you know trying to mold like our own little perfect like world our own westview as it were um yeah we don't want to put 
Exactly. We don't want to like put blinders on onto these situations. We don't want to just see it because it's inconvenient. Not we don't want to ignore it because it's inconvenient. We need mm-hmm. to we need to see it. We need it. We and we need to understand why it impacts people and also how it reshapes how we view the things that we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something I'm currently going through, like as a massive Harry Potter fan, like how do oh, I reconcile man. the creator versus the art? And yeah, that's a conversation I've been having with a few of my friends as we just try and like make well, A, look back and see where the signs were from the beginning and B, mm-hmm. like, how do we, how do we still enjoy the good parts about Harry Potter without like totally disregarding like what J.K. Rowling has been saying, so. Yeah, it's it interesting. To, to, it does suck. And I, it's not a complete apt comparison, but something that mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoy the works of H.P. Lovecraft, but at the same time, understand that H.P. Lovecraft was a racist. He was a kind of a terrible person. And I think that is one of those things where I think knowing the man and, and having written work that is based on his work, that influences how I approach it. You know, that influence that I can look and like, oh, this is racist this is really racist and this mm-hmm. is not okay and how do we explore that and you know the context of where they're writing from and how do you take the things that you like from it that still speak to you but also not ignoring the the troublesome parts mm-hmm. it's 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 not easy it's like because i mean especially with jk rowling it's just that she's just doubled down on it i, I mm-hmm. can't imagine what like i look i'm I loved her uh, Robert Club Wright series, the, the the novel she writes under the pen name, and it's mm-hmm. been, yeah, you know, it's like ah, oh, I, I really want to read the next book. I mm-hmm. want to read it so bad, but at the same time, like, you know, it's it's complicated. It's 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 not easy. It it really isn't. It's not easy, and it's not something that one day we'll have like all the answers to be like ah. Oh this yeah like it's just gonna be something we'll continually have to like go through you know exactly and i kind of wonder like i i do wonder how a lot of buffy fans are feeling this weekend or Mm -hmm. this week god it's only wednesday i do wonder how they're approaching it because again it's it was a show that of its time was praised for how it portrayed women Mm -hmm. and then behind the scenes those same women were being treated terribly I do not envy what they're experiencing right now. I mean, for me, it would be something along the lines of like George Lucas coming out and being like a huge Trump supporter. Mm, and mm-hmm. I'm like, but that's clearly not the message you just sent in those things. Uh, thankfully, we know that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God. <laughs> but, um, you we know, already have the, our own troubles with Star Wars. Uh, like the last have, thing we need is like George Lucas. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. So it's like one of those things where I, I, I don't, I do not envy the experience they're having right now um, because it is a bit of mourning. It's a bit of like, here's someone that created something that defined their lives and defined their youth. And now here they are having to square it with this kind of a monster, you know? I, it, yeah, it, it's, I, I don't envy that experience. But I think to your, like we said, 
you know, I'm, we're, I think it's right that we're finally having people speak up about it. And I can understand why it took them so long because, you know, the, the industry is such that it behooved the abuser. It helped the abuser uh, more often than not. And they, I think Charisma said about like they, they vilify the victims uh, for the longest time, you know, is mm-hmm. so I, I think I understand why it took her so long to talk about it, but I'm glad she's speaking about it now. Honestly, like all of this, it kind of like rolls into, so the best thing I watched this past weekend was framing Britney Spears. Oh. More so than the Super Bowl because that game was boring. And I, I, I Brady. don't, uh, it's understandable. I don't watch, I, I actually just sat in bed reading a, the Star Wars Into the Dark. That's what I did during the Super Bowl. I was really, oh, nice. I, I think I made a good life choice. I think you did too, definitely. <laughs> But like something that I was really struck by framing Britney Spears was like looking at the things that she experienced with our post Me Too perspective eyes of like having these conversations about like how we were vilifying Britney Spears for her parenting decisions, her relationship with Justin Timberlake, how the media treated her and even like mental health and Mm -hmm. just the conversations that we're having now, as opposed to the mid two thousands when this was happening to her. And she was like in her mid twenties, like experiencing all of this. So it just, it's all like compounding on like this subject of like having more of these conversations or at least like we've been having them. But I think this weekend rolling into today with Joss Whedon and even with Gina Carano, uh, her anti-Semitic messages that she was sharing on her Instagram. Another dark thing I didn't want to talk about, but this is what she did today. So, (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I wasn't, I really didn't want this episode to be a downer, but we'll we'll, we'll bring it up. We'll we'll bring it up. We'll start low and then we'll go high. We'll bring it up. We'll bring it up. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Gina Carano. I think what's interesting with the arc of Cara Dune as seen by the general public versus sort of the alt-right fandom menace side of fandom has been interesting because when she was introduced, oh, cool, new character. Isn't that exciting? She's kind of badass and she can hold her own. And then at the, the fandom menace was saying like, oh, look at this Mary Sue. And the moment she started saying reprehensible things about about transgender people about uh, it's just like the Epps, John, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself and now this anti-semitic thing it's like oh now she's their patron saint mm-hmm. and yeah it, it's uh, as a as a Jewish man pisses me right off I'll tell you that much like oh I'm sorry no like you know you can't compare being a Republican and people or a Trump supporter and being mad at you uh, about what happened on January 6th to the Holocaust that is inexcusable and I can only imagine that it, it's not easy for the folks at Lucasfilm where you know they're you know how, how do you handle a situation like this where mm-hmm. it's Especially, so like, here's a, like, uh, the plus side of it is you have Pedro Pascal, who plays Din Djarin, being just awesome and talking about his transgender uh, sister, I think her name is Lux Pascal, mm-hmm. and just being 100% on board on with her journey. And, you know, the opposite side is you have, you know, Gina Carano just doing 
horrible things and just saying horrible things and doubling down on them and doubling down on them and doubling down on them. It, yeah, I, I, I do not envy Lucasfilm right now. Yeah, it definitely puts them in a hard position, especially since like they're not filming season three for a bit and she is, I'm sure as of now has been, you know, planned to be part of like one of the spinoff series that Mm -hmm. is going on, you know, like she, yeah, I agree. Like when she was first introduced, I saw the chatter of people being like, oh, Mary Sue, she's just like strong female woman, blah, blah, blah. And then going from hating her to praising her uh, Mm. just because her politics have lined up with theirs. And then, and it's not that she just has a different like political leanings. It is that she is doubling down. It is that she is so outspoken about spreading disinformation about COVID, the insurrection, uh, stop the steal, and even, and now with, uh, anti-Semitic comments and it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And she continues to uh, stir the pot and like really horrific tweets. And so what should they do? And it's, it's easy to go behind a hashtag of like fire Gina Carano, but it's another for like Lucasfilm to sit down and make, a decision about something like this, even though mm. like we saw a couple of years ago, James Gunn got fired over tweets that he made years yeah. ago and a fish was finally like hired back after some time. But like, oh, thank God for that. Yeah, I know because he's actually shown growth. She is digressing more and more yeah. into this. And I think that's the big thing. That's that, so that's frustrating. That, and you know, like James with his tweets were like, yeah, these were dumb. These were not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to be a certain kind of comedian at the time. Mm-hmm. Not does not excuse what I wrote, you know. And everyone, the fact I think you, know, you have the sort of opposite of I, I think you had the opposite thing happen with James Gunn. To your point of like Gina Ground doubling down, doubling down. But like even like with the Joss Whedon of it all, when things came out with James Gunn, everybody around him was like, "No, this guy's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Like this is wrong. Yes, that's wrong." But that does not reflect the man he is now, you know, and that goes to a larger conversation of like, you know, you know, judging people in their past actions versus how they are now and how they grow. But it doesn't seem like with, with Joss Whedon and Gina Carano that they're learning anything, if anything, they're doubling down and their bad habits are just kind of worsening. And with Gina Carano of it all, it's, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I think they're trying they're trying not to make this quote unquote same mistake as James Gunn. I don't think they want to like jump pun not intended, but uh they don't want to jump the gun with Gina Carano. They want to like make sure it's a, a decision that they don't have to like double back on. But I, I think she's kind of making the decision for them. Yeah. Based on what's been happening in the past few months, I feel more and more like they are making their decision. Or yeah. they're making her decision for her very uh, <laughs> non-cavalier, I guess. I don't. Yeah, I'm losing some words because it's been a long yeah. day. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's been a lot, and it, I, I think honestly, it's you know, I think we all really want, understandably, there to be. She does something terrible like this, and then 
an immediate firing or something like that. Like something we want to see that happen quickly because that's sort of what we, that feels cathartic and that feels, you know, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age, like immediate action is something that you want to see. Uh, conversely, you know, I'm pretty sure there are contract things that they have to work, they have to go through. And, you know, there's a way of handling a situation that, you know, we just don't know what's, we don't know what gears were in motion or are in motion right now. Yeah. So I don't want to like, as much as I think, yeah, like it's easy to have the, the hashtag by our Gina Carano. We also need to understand that like, we don't know what's happening right now. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Totally. Yeah. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes and like the contracts that have to be like oh, dealt yeah. with or like what conversations Gina might be happening with Lucasfilm people as we yeah. speak, you know, we, we do not know because we are, the public looking in, we're never going to fully know like what goes on behind closed doors there. Oh yeah. It's usually a little bit more boring than you think it is. Oh, Um, totally. Yeah. It's just like, so hopefully we'll know something within the next couple of days. But I think what you said about like immediate action, it just speaks to, I guess, like our internal need for like justice to be served Mm -hmm. and just like having not instant gratification, but having the satisfaction of like, oh, justice is being served right now when there's such like a wrongdoing happening. Um, totally. And I think especially with the 2020, like of, that, of an entire year of just seeing so much, you know, so many wrong things, wrongdoings happening and no one standing up and saying, that's right, Puck. It's <laughs> yes, my cat is agreeing with me again. We saw so many wrongdoings with the Black Lives Matter movement. We saw, mm-hmm. you know, the January 6th riots, um, the insurrection, and not seeing any fallout from that is is difficult right now. Mm-hmm. It is difficult, but, you know, I, I still have hope that, like, things are going to turn around or, like, that because of this need to see justice serve, like, I do feel like, we will see action from this. Um, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I know. I, I, I hear something I, I think is, this is what gives me hope. So, you know, yes, there are those who are right now reporting Gina Carano, despite the terrible things she's saying. There are people who are def- probably defending Joss Whedon for the terrible things he's done. But by and large, because of the way as our society has progressed, there are more people like yourself and myself and so many others who are saying like, no, this is not okay. And if we can speak out about these things and say, this is not okay. This is where the line is. This is where you can't cross it. That means that there are more and more of us tomorrow. And if there's more of us tomorrow, and then I, I believe, I hope that the, because we're calling these things out now, because we're looking back and reflecting on our past and because we're looking back and holding ourselves accountable and holding others accountable for their actions, it's because there are more people who are understanding what is right and what is wrong. And I hope that, you know, 10, 15 years from now, hopefully less, you know, these things are become a thing of the past, you know, mm-hmm. it's... That that's the hope I have. I mean, I I look at the younger gener, um, you know, the younger generation right now, and seeing how inclusive they are, by and large, how progressive they are, and how, you know, 
raising of people's individualities and personhoods, I look at that and I'm like, okay, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We're a long, long term. It's we're going to be okay because we we're speaking out about it now. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a Superman level, like inspiration, hope speech, maybe cap level there. So yes, bravo. <laughs> I, uh, I, it's funny. It's like one of those things where I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. But I, I, it's silly. I, I, I think about this a lot. Um, but I, you know, I was a huge Superman fan when I was a kid mm-hmm. and I'm a Luke Skywalker fan and I'm a Doctor Who fan. And it sounds so silly to say that those, you know, including my father and, and, you know, my upbringing, but the media that I consumed was all about hope and it was all about kindness and everything. And, and, you know, whereas a lot of my friends were like, let's be like badass and like, like who has the most superpowers and like, Oh, I want to be at the dark side because dark side is more powerful. And it's like, but the good side's the good side. Mm-hmm. Um, that was me growing up and it can seem naive and sort of silly to be like, yeah, like a, a big part of who I am is because Superman, like because of Chris of Superman, like, mm-hmm being kind and being nice and the reason why i'm a huge doctor who fan you know there's that speech at at, at towards the end of capaldi's run it was actually capaldi's last ep- uh, second to last episode uh the doctor falls mm-hmm. where he tells missy and the master like you know like he's not doing it because he's going to win i i wish i knew it by heart i don't but he's like he does it because it's kind you know it's it's not because it's right or because what it's it's, it's kind um where i stand is where i fall and that is such a guiding light to me. And it's like, you know, it, we it's easy to write off a lot of these silly medias that we love, like, you know, the MCU or Star Wars or Doctor Who or whatever as power fantasies and as, mm-hmm. um, you know, childish dreams. And they are that. They're, there's no denying that. But there's something to be said about having media out there that teaches people to be good and to be mm-hmm. kind and to give uh, to set by example you know if there's one issue i have with like the snack snyder films is that it doesn't show batman or if it doesn't show superman being kind in a, yeah. like in the way that i especially batman versus superman oh my um, gosh that movie yeah that movie good lord you know it, it's there's a brutality to those films and a cruelness to those films that while it is interesting at times to tell those kinds of stories whether they be with the actual characters or pastiche characters i think there is something very there's something lost in not presenting these characters as the hopeful sort of guiding light heroes that they can and should be because there's an entire generation um, that is mi- of children that are missing out on that. You know, I think it's, again, it, it sounds so silly to be like, like, well, why do I, why do I act the way I act? Why do I try to be as hopeful and, 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 and try to be as kind as I can? Because that's what Superman did. Mm-hmm. I want to be Superman. You know, I mean, it's cool to fly and have a punch in a wall, but like, you know, I, uh, one of my favorite moments of uh, Superman, the Christopher Reeve Superman is when he flies down and gives the girl the cat, you know, and that's Superman. Like there's mm-hmm. no thing, nothing too small. Like super, I watched Superman three 
again recently and it's something to be said about like as bad as that film is it is really nice that like it all like the reason he gets back to the, the light is because a child talks to him and that's i don't know that's that's who i that's what i i, I like you know that's i mean that's the thing about like the mandalorian it's like this guy it, it he he finds grogu and he finds a child and it's like that kindness and giving of himself so there's something to be said about like as dumb as these things can be the those themes are universal and i i think they've been a huge guiding light to me i love that and i love that it's not just you but it is like a generation of people who have grown up with these characters like superman like Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, like so many of these heroes that we look up to and we see them just wanting to be kind and good. And they see like the crap going on around them, but they still step up and do the right thing anyways. And I think that is as high and lofty of a goal as anyone can be you know is to wake up each day and choose kindness and that's that's what we need more of in this world and i think and i think i don't know if you feel this way but i feel like we're starting to see a shift in like our media we're moving away from cynicism and we're moving towards kindness and just like hopefulness like ted lasso in particular like i i've heard that's amazing i haven't watched it yet i'm going to but like it just seems like a joy ride and like people i think have been desperately like missing that and oh totally yeah totally i i think yeah i think it's interesting like you look at the films that came out during the obama era and they were mostly very cynical and mm-hmm. then this thing that comes out through the trump era is like yes there is that cynicism but there's also like that sort of reactionary like well let's remind people i mean mm-hmm. i i've talked about this a bit online but like i watched doctor who a lot and i read a lot of doctor who and i listened to a lot of doctor who last year because i was like this sucks everything's terrible like i need something <laughs> to like remind me why I like people. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's something, because you're, I know you're a Doctor Who fan as well. And we were going to talk about Doctor Who in general. Uh, you know, you're not a Doctor Who fan. You're starting I'm to not, watch I'm it. I'm not, I'm about right? to. Yeah, you're about to watch like, it. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it, it's a weird show. I'm going to tell you right now. It's a weird, weird show and I mm-hmm. love it. But one thing that I don't necessarily, if it's intentional, but it's definitely in the text and I've definitely, you could read it into it is that there's a kind of anger to the doctor about the universe. Like mm. when she or he, it comes out of so often this anger that people don't live up to his ideals or her ideals. They don't, uh, the galaxy, the universe doesn't live up to their ideals and they anger and they burst out and then they turn around and they sacrifice their life so that someone can live. Mm-hmm. And that is something I've, I've found. And I think one of the biggest things, and this is sort of like how this conversation has kind of gone, is a lot of what I've heard the last day makes me very angry. Knowing that someone like Joss Whedon, who could be in this amazing position of power to like tell, write a show that like influenced a generation of television and people would use that power 
to abuse others angers me. You know, the fact that someone like Gina Carano, like, it would say these terrible, terrible things and that people, the worst kind of people would, uh, you know, back her up, that angers me. The question really becomes is like, how do you move forward? And the, the doctor is always the person that, you know, to, uh, and it's a, it's a Harry Potter thing. Like there's the easy uh, answer and there's, you know, the right answer. Um, mm -hmm. And it's always the right answer that you should choose no matter how difficult it is. And with a doctor, it's, you know, will, being willing to sacrifice their life or stand up for those who need defending and believing that even though we are flawed and crazy people that we can reach that ideal even no matter how angry they can make us, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. This is a lot deeper of a conversation than I was anticipating. I, I, <laughs> I, again, I totally wasn't anticipating this, but honestly, this kind of feels like cathartic therapeutic needed, even though this was, was not planning this at all, but yeah. I thank you for being game to like, Oh, absolutely. go there, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I know that I probably I will never have the right answers. We won't always see the right things, but the fact that we're having these conversations is important. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being so game to like go there and talk about heavier, moral, philosophical, just like stuff about what is happening in the world in fandom. But this is not a great transition because yeah. how can it be? But instead of continuing to dwell into this we're gonna we're gonna switch gears we're gonna talk about marvel and you know know that this isn't the end of these conversations but more like there will be continuation with it all right moving along let's look to lighter things we are halfway yeah. through wandavision uh we're yes. five episodes in and it's incredible or at least for me right now i have been really enjoying the story that they are telling and the way that they are doing it what are you thinking about the series so far um you know now that we're at this like midway point it's interesting i think i um the i, I saw the first two three episodes sort of all back to back because of a screener mm -hmm. and i kind of had a better sense of the series than i think a lot of other folks would have had if they had had like just the first two episodes that premiered I kind of, so my biggest criticism is I wish they really leaned in more to staying true to the styles of the shows. Because like the first episode is perfect recreation of a Dick Van Dyke show. The second episode is they start breaking the rules of like the 60s show. Mm -hmm. um, and the 70s, again, they start breaking like the rules of the of 70s shows and like how they're shot and how they look. And I can see that sort of progression. It's weird. I, I feel like the first, it, it doesn't really find itself until the fourth episode mm -hmm. uh, when they sort of reveal like the wider universe. But now with the uh, the inclusion of alternate universe Quicksilver, which I did not see coming, Evan Peters coming in as Quicksilver. That was a really good, uh, there was a fun cliff, cliffhanger as cheesy and corny as it is, but like corporate synergy, it does open a lot more questions it's one of those, I don't necessarily know if it's a, 
that they're combining the X-Men universe and this universe. I think it's sort of a meta casting situation just, uh, but I could be wrong. I have no, I like, I, I have no idea what the next step is. And I kind of like that. I like, I like that it's progressed in a way that uh, has been surprising and a lot more uh, emotional than I expected. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I am such a fan of what they're doing. And for me, like I was a normie, I totally watched the first two episodes as they came out. I've watched every episode since and I was already just drawn into it because of like the concept of the show and how they were doing like this Nick at Night, like sitcom era. And it was, to me, it was just like such a love letter to television that I just loved it on its own for that value. But then like, as you go further in, like, you know, the pieces are starting to unravel. And I know a lot of my friends who didn't understand what was happening, really loved episode four to be like, oh, okay. There's like craziness happening. But yeah, the Evan Peters Quicksilver reveal at the end of episode five just like sealed the deal for me um, because it means like there are no rules at this point. Like, yes, we have we have Fox X-Men characters that can just like come in for a cameo. It doesn't matter if they're going to stick around for forever. Like we have those possibilities now. And I mean, I'd love for Evan Peters to stick around longer. I don't think he's really quicksilver i think it's some i think it's like mephisto messing with him or something but i do yeah, think- i i don't know about the uh, sorry I, i'm tough jumping like i don't know about the Mephisto thing like everyone's talking about it but i feel like it's a little bit more straightforward again could be totally wrong i think it's just like it could just be wandavision it could be wanda doing everything but yeah i've heard about the uh, mephisto theory for a while and i'm not a hundred percent sold on it just yet mm-hmm. I'm getting more sold on it more and more, especially since episode two, where, you know, Dottie makes the line, the devil is in the details. And Agnes mm-hmm. is like, that's not the only place the devil is. I'm like, yeah, okay, that was a great cheesy line, but also devil Mephisto. There's a lot of like comic lore yeah. around with Scarlet Witch. So I feel like that's happening, whether yeah. that's with Evan Peters or not to be determined, but I like the idea that what if Michael Fassbender walks into frame? That would like, be funny. We could have really that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I would like it. I mean, especially considering you know that it's leading into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. They can't. It does open the doors to that. I am very curious to see where it goes. But that would be really funny if Michael Fassbender came in. I would. I would. I would. I would die laughing. Yeah. I, I would just lose it. Or even like, I did think about this. What if Ryan Reynolds Deadpool walked in and just said, oh wait, not yet guys. And just like walked out. That would be funny. That yeah, would be boy. so great. Especially in like the modern family s like mockumentary episode. I feel like that'd be yes. a perfect place for that. All right. Or well, the office, uh, that like that sort of office that they're doing. That's going to be what mm-hmm. that's, um, cause the seventies, uh, they just did eighties, nineties. So we've so got nineties coming up which i think is actually the halloween episode um, that makes sense and then it would be the the following episode probably yeah. the mid-2000s yeah, we got three more episodes yeah interesting it's gonna be it's gonna be wild it's gonna be wild i really i i do like that as someone who who's struggled with the mcu recently i'm glad that they're breaking out of their sort of comfort zone i think that's the biggest thing that i'm most excited about with wonder wandavision is the fact that we're not 
I think they they sort of found their formula very early on to their mm-hmm. benefit because obviously they've made a ton of money. Um, you know, so I they, mean, they highest grossing movie. Uh, yeah. Not adjusted for inflation, Avengers Endgame. You know. Yeah. So they they you know I they've figured it out, but I think one thing I struggled with for a very long time was like every film kind of felt the same. Like, oh, here we are at one hour. This is when this happens. Like mm-hmm. I could sort of set my clock to it. Um, not that I wasn't enjoying myself, but it's just sort of like, all right, here we go. Act two, mm-hmm. villain wins. All right, how are they going to get back out? I think WandaVision 2, I think same thing with Mandalorian. I think what's interesting about and for WandaVision and the Mandalorian in relation to their two properties is the fact that they're able to explore the wider, wider canon of their respective franchises, but also break outside their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to have a story like WandaVision, which doesn't really fit into any singular format and does weird experimental show episodes. Like the first two episodes are like completely within this genre. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, switch formats midway through. So it's, I think, yeah, um, so far, if it, that's the most exciting thing for me is that we're getting to explore these worlds in new and really interesting ways. Agreed. And especially, I really struggled with uh, Wanda Maximoff's character for a long time. She was Mm -hmm. one of my least favorite Avengers. So for me, I was feeling like excitement for this series, but also like, am I going to come out of this liking Wanda? Am I going to understand her? Because it was so hard for me to understand her for so long. And yeah. I think they've done that already. Like, here is a woman who has lost the love of her life, her own robot husband, essentially, or boyfriend, yeah. I guess. And she is living out her own fantasy with him and having the family that she never had. And I think there's something pretty powerful there. And that mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily like, she is the protagonist of the show, so she's not really the villain, but I understand the grief that she's coming from and the ways that she's acting out, as opposed to like Daenerys Targaryen, like flipping the switch and yeah. the final season of Game of Thrones. Like, Let's never speak of that again. Yeah, let's stop. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think they have done their part to like really do her character well and Vision yeah. as well. And it makes me excited for like, what more they're going to do in these final four episodes so yeah i'm looking forward to it but yeah i agree with everything you said well before we go uh, you have mentioned a lot about doctor who i am about to start watching doctor who for the first time and Mm -hmm. i've had friends who have loved this series they're like meredith you you're gonna love it you just gotta like do it one day and Mm -hmm. i have always said like I need to hit to the hit the point where there is no turning back and like I'm going to step into the TARDIS and I'm never I'm never coming out, yeah. you know. So uh, I'm actively about to do this. What should I know as like a first time viewer? Like what should I expect? Like I do know there's Daleks. I know there's yeah. old who and new who. Yeah. What do I expect? Expect it to be incredibly weird. I think the best place for you to start, and I've got this question a lot, is where do you start? And I think right now, start with the Eccleston season, his mm-hmm. first season of new series, uh, the new series, uh, just because it's 
a good, a pretty fairly strong beginning. And it kind of sets the tone for a lot of what happens later. Mm-hmm. And it's, but like, there are a few episodes. So you're like, I, I, there are farting aliens, you know, okay. the thing about the doctor who is, it is a unique show in that it can reinvent itself episode to episode, season to season. Change is the core of the show. You will, like one episode is going to be about, like, again, Farting Aliens. The next one's going to be a horror show. Um, as long as there is the Doctor, a companion, and a TARDIS that uh, is a time-traveling machine that looks like a old police box, that's a Doctor Who show. I think what I've come to love about it is there are episodes that will not, do not work. And I still love them because they're, the show is greater than the sum of its parts. You know, there are some storylines and some doctors that won't connect with you. You know, you might get in and you're like, I don't like Eccleston. And then Tenet comes up and you're like, well, I'm a huge Tenet fan. And mm-hmm. then you're like, I don't know about Matt Smith. And then like, oh my God, Matt Smith, he's amazing. And then you might like, oh, but Capaldi, I don't know about Capaldi. And then you might not like him. You might love him. And then you're like Jody, but like, I'm so used to this sort of thing and this sort of feel. And then all of a sudden Jody comes in and you're like, she's just lovely. It is a roller coaster. It's weird. It's so weird. It's beautifully weird. Yeah, it's uh, and it's also just hopeful. It's a hopeful show. I've mentioned it before uh, during this podcast, but I went to it a lot during 2020 because I it was a, a beautiful escape that uh, reminded me that we can be good and that there are ideas uh, and not people that are just good and kind and they do things. Like that's the thing, the biggest thing about the doctor is he does it because it's kind. He does it because it's right. And he does it because he's there and no one else is. And even if someone else is there, he'll still fight for it. And that's um, that's all you need to know about Doctor Who. Just be get ready for a weird, get ready for a moment. You're like, why is this happening? But I, I'm jealous of you because uh, I, I, I get you get to experience it all for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then if you're really crazy and you're like, I need more, go back and watch classic Doctor Who. And then if you're a maniac like me, you start getting into Big Finish and you start listening to the audio dramas because you're just like, well, I need more. I need all of it. Um, and then mm-hmm. if you're really insane, like like me, you start reading the weird books from the 90s. Um, oh, so. my goodness. So, yeah. I'm glad to it's know that there are levels of insanity when it comes to oh, yeah. Doctor Who. Absolutely. And I'm sure this is your favorite or maybe least favorite question. Who is your favorite doctor and who is your favorite companion? Uh, so some of that, yeah, actually I was, I was asked this yesterday. I had a very long answer. I will uh, just to save you the time in the edit. I will say, I think my two favorites are 10 and 11. They're tied. I do love 12 and 13 for different reasons and every other one. Uh, so 10, 11 are tied. I think eight and six are tied uh, in second place because of uh, big finish and their audio dramas are gorgeous. So the, uh, that's a, see, so yeah, I, I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it again. I'm doing the <laughs> whole, like explaining why I love all the doctors equally. I just love them all so much for all different reasons. You love uh, all your children. 10, it's okay. <laughs> I love all my children. Let's just say 10 and 11 is my, my favorite. My two favorite uh, companions, I love Amy and Rory and Clara are two of my, are my top, are probably my tie for one for a lot of reasons. And yeah, those are, I think that is a short answer. I'm, I, cause I'm, 
I will talk about this for an hour, explaining why I love every single companion, every single doctor, and why they're all great, and why you should always know that they're great, and that like no, like even if you don't like this one for whatever reason, this is why they're great. Like, you know, don't love the first doctor; he's not my favorite, but also he's really great because he's the first one, and also in context, it's really interesting that he's this oldest Zurich man, but he's also the youngest. Isn't that kind of crazy? And his daughter, he has a granddaughter, but what does that mean? So I'm just gonna stop right now. That's and- hey, I will be uh, just a just expect for me to like message you and be like, I don't understand this person or I don't understand what's happening right now. Or like, Oh, this is great. Wait, why did this happen? Or something like be prepared for like the really crazy first time watcher. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Oh, true. Trust me, I introduced this show to my mom uh, last year and that, that was all like, what's going on? I'm like, hey, mom, it's Doctor Who. Just go with it. Just, keep it. <laughs> Just go with it. Just go with it. Adam, thank you so much for coming on uh, today. And I mean, I said it before, I'll say it again. I'm very thankful that you were like game to kind of go off not what we were planning on talking about, but <laughs> I think it was still such a meaningful, good conversation. And like, I just love to be able to chat with fellow fans and get your perspective on things. And I'm just grateful that you wanted to even be on here. Where can people find you? Uh, you got anything to plug? Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Adam Lance Garcia. You can also find me on Instagram at Adam Lance Garcia and probably TikTok at Adam Lance Garcia, though I haven't really posted because I realized that I'm an old. And if you go to amazon.com, type in Adam Lance Garcia, you'll see my work written a few novels based on a character from the 1940s called The Green Llama. He's a character my dad used to collect when I was he was a kid, and I get to tell the licensed stories behind him. I also uh, have an original graphic novel, Sons of Fire, which is, I think it's pretty good. Um, and Do you say I so also, yourself? I think it's okay. And then there's a, I'm also working on a audio drama podcast with uh, my uh, co-producer, Steel Filipek, uh, called Radio Room. You can listen to the first season on any of your favorite podcast aggregators but we're working hard on season two right now that's so cool i i'll include links to all of that in the description here and you can always follow me at meredith loftus and don't forget to follow the podcast on twitter at fangirl forum pod it is so weird to say that because i've been holding that off for so long but we're doing it thank you so much for joining me once again i hope you have a fantastic day see you next time